The morning of September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the budget analyst office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10th, 2001. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-Tech, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca, co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, uh, writer and teacher Jessica, and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We're online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes, wherever you found this episode. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. You can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca on Instagram and just his Twitter handle as at jfomi89. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. All right. Uh, today is we're recording on Thursday, uh, the fourteenth of September, and this week uh, was the week of the eleventh of September, which was on Monday, and so it slipped past by us. I had thought about it last week, but we we should have covered it then, <laughs> but we're covering it now. Uh, Nine eleven. And uh, and I'm glad you remembered to bring it up, Andy. And we were going to do something else, another episode that we'll do hopefully next week, which is Love Across Borders. And that will be an interesting episode with an author. Uh, so stay tuned for anyone for the, uh, about that. People should look up the book, Love Across Borders. Uh, and we'll do something around that. But Andy, we're doing 9-11 this week. So can you expand why uh, you thought we should cover this i mean i know why but every we all know why <laughs> well go ahead I, Andy. I hope ken i i definitely had the conversation with you eduardo and probably didn't have as much with jessica and kenny because while today we're going to discuss our thoughts about 9 11 2001 um i don't think there's going to for probably for most of our listeners i don't think there's going to be any new information you're going to get and that's not even the intention here for me if you anybody who's been following this show since me and Eduardo started it, know that me and Eduardo have done a bit of a dance about 9-11. Like, <laughs> I kind of say, well, I don't think, I think it was an inside job. And Eduardo's like, what? You know, and, but we kind of agreed we're not going to talk about it because 
we weren't talking about it. And basically, we are finally prepared to talk about really, this is our thoughts about 9-11. And what I am actually hoping to get into a bit more is where I was and why was I there and where am I now? Um, because to me, that's what's more interesting. I mean, well, of course, what happened on 9-11 is very important. And I, I, the more I think about it, the more I realize it reveals so much about the U.S. state. Um, but what what I hope to talk about is sort of the journey that I've taken. And I kind of want to hear from Kenny and Jessica. I don't really know. Like, Jessica, you might have been, you know, uh, 9-11 truth from the from the from the from the outset. That wasn't me, you know. Um, from school for me? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. So. Wait, so you guys have never done a What's Left episode like on 9-11? No. Oh, wow. And Eduardo, why is that? <laughs> How long did we do what's left before Kenny came on and, and Jess? Well, first before Kenny, I think a year or two years, no? Two or three years before Kenny and then All right. with the, uh, Jessica. At that time, just brief history for new folks. At that time, I I think I, I was I was going into other topics that were mainly culture wars, but also uh elections as well as US American uh sort of politics uh, that was running the media. I mean that's what we were going to discuss, current events. And we were also uh we were also covering a lot of things that were happening in our lives. And sometimes in public education, especially the teachers and the colleagues that we used to have, <laughs> uh it gets into very progressive liberal politics. And so I think we were so focused on those things. I didn't imagine we were going to, well, I'll speak for myself, Andy. Uh, I didn't imagine at one point we would be start, we would start delving into the weeds of uh, some of the things that were um, sort of people had a, a, what do you call it, crowd mentality about, just no questions, just like the whole COVID stuff, right? There's just, okay, we just accept it as it is, as, as it's reported, right? A consensus. And and I've spoken a lot about a consensus because that's how I've shaped my framework over time. It like my background of Jehovah's Witness, my Jehovah's Witness background has really given me this fear that to discuss something that might be, what do you call it, um, unproven or or like to be in the realm of, with the, with people of the flat earthers or Bigfoot and Jessica's wearing those Bigfoot earrings now, right? <laughs> and to be in that world really scared me, for me, right? So, um, because I had just come out, out of a cult into politics and I didn't want to be associated or discuss anything that is kind of sketchy and quacky, so to speak. So, um, I think that, People have pushed 9-11 and into, into that realm, into the world of conspiracies, which didn't give me a lot of uh, intrigue to further investigate and to, and, and to look into. I mean, the most I did was watch, I was also very young as well, right? when 9-11 happened. But the most I did was look into Fahrenheit 9-11, was it? Uh, Michael Moore's film, his documentary, was that one? That's what it was called? 9-11 something. Right? Um, and it was interesting uh, of what the relationships, I think, that George W. Bush, the president of the USA, was having with uh, Saudi Arabia and other countries and 
and the and the and the weapons of mass destruction and and the need for oil. I mean, those things were sort of very on the left um, that we were uh, debating. But whether some building collapsed because there's the, it just it didn't even touch the other two towers, or because the Pentagon had I don't know how much trillion dollars missing, and the September the tenth of September there was already an investigation going on or whether you know these hijackers were able to fly these very these these planes far distance and you know it takes a lot of skill and training you know uh um miles and miles away towards rerouting you know and assuming that they weren't even being uh uh hindered by the public inside like I mean, these these are things that I I hadn't entertained. I don't think I did not believe in them, so to speak. I just did not entertain them. So when Andy started questioning the beginnings of our What's Left episodes, was beginning to question climate change or other things, I began <laughs> getting <laughs> freaked out. <laughs> it's like, what has left What's Left become? And I think the pivotal the most Jeffrey Epstein was our most heated debate. And I was just like, I'm not having it. I'm not doing what's left in this direction. This is not what's left. We're not going to be reporting on speculations. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, we've come a long way since. And obviously I've already talked about this. We can include the links to the episodes where I have changed my mind. And that has really to do with COVID. Um, and that was the change for me, um, a personal experience that I'm not going into right now. People can look into that. Uh, but that's the reason why I think, to sum it up, uh, why I just we didn't delve into it. I didn't uh, wish to entertain more further with Andy. It wasn't until Kenny came on, and then Jessica came on. Then I was bullied out of. Can <laughs> you know, I ask a question, Andy? I want to know, I mean... Not that I'm not interested in the other three of us, but we were all kids. You were an adult. Like, where were you on 9-11? And how um, do you remember, like, the actual day of it? Well, I was, I was when I found out about it, I think I was just getting to school. Um, I was teaching at Mission High School. Um, and it was, my, I think, my second year teaching. Um, and, you know, I, I think... What I would say about it was, you know, it was like definitely like, whoa, that's a big deal. I remember seeing the smoke coming off the World Trade Center's uh, towers, you know, on the on the TV and on video and things like that. And I was like, damn, that's like this is a big deal. Um, and I was a, I was in a socialist organization, and um, I just want to say that, like Eduardo at that time, while I was against the. 9-11 being used as the race raison d'etre for Patriot Act or for the war in Afghanistan and the war in Iraq. I, I like Eduardo and like many socialists would keep myself separate from people who were going to look more deeply into this and say, no, this is not just the U.S. using this as an excuse. This is not just disaster capitalism. This is an operation done by the U.S. ruling class, done by the United States, with in conjunction with the Mossad and with uh, Saudi Arabia and other other intelligences, but basically led by the United States, it was an inside job, and 
that was verboten in both in the organization and even from me. And I was like, I don't want it to say, I'm not going to say that. I'm not even going to look into it because that would put me on the outside of people who I'm trying to reach. Very similar to what I think Eduardo was talking about. So, and, and that, that was the kind of thinking I had as a revolutionary of like, what's palatable to people? You know, what's, what, what do I think I could sell essentially that, and, and still be a person who's credible because I don't even want to get near that stuff because it's not credible um, because of the people who are saying it. And I, and today I feel like I, I owe a debt to those people because they were willing to like look through all this stuff and continue and carry on with it despite, you know, not just the ruling class, you know, being against them, but many of us who were opposed to the p- things that the U S did after this, who should have been in solidarity with those people and at least taken much more seriously what they're saying. Um, I, I think it, it to me, it, it exposes more the, um, opportunism and the shallowness of the revolutionary left in the United States that w- that has taken us so long to even be willing to look, listen to some of these things because they are very meaningful actually. Um, if they're true. And I think they are true. And I think they, they actually make the most sense out of what these events that have taken place, um, particularly now with COVID the way they, this operation was done here. So, uh, that's more of a long way of saying, this is where I came from. I came from being unwilling to look at conspiracy like this. Uh, maybe I'll acknowledge, what was it, the the one in Vietnam that started it? Damn. The Gulf of Tonkin? The Gulf of Tonkin, right, you know, as a historical thing, but not willing to look and say that some giant event like, like this could happen in my time, or even willing to say that Pearl Harbor was an inside operation of some sort. I might have been willing to countenance that, but I'm not going to say it's happening now because somehow something's changed. I'm just, I'm just, I was just unwilling and I wasn't willing to look at the truth in order because I felt the truth would isolate me and my politics and my organization. Yeah. And that's part that it's partly that, that I want to explore because in many ways what's left is a result of the kind that kind of approach the left has taken because the left has been so so cowardly um so um limited so not willing to look at things and i'm part of that left and i and i was part of constructing that left and so this that's kind of what's important to me about 911 is it's a it's a symbol of the left's shallowness and it's uh and it and it's cowardice. Yeah. Uh, anyone? Um, I would have a question though about Jessica and and Kenny about then in order and before we move into the into the future, like or present. What about you? Like, how did all these events go down for you? You want to start, Jessica, or? I mean, um, so I was a student in your high school. <laughs> I was a freshman that year. Um, I was in math uh, class, I remember. And uh, Mr. Yamamoto, I don't know if, I, if you want to keep that in there. <laughs> He's a uh, math class. And um, again, freshman year, I'm a new immigrant to the, you know, by that time, I got here in 99. So I was two years into, you know, coming over to the US from Guatemala. And so, just for a little context, you know, I I grew up knowing the shit that the U.S. has done, you know, like 
in Guatemala in particular, um, you know, having some sense of it and, you know, always trying to learn more. And I do remember 9-11, I remember being bombarded, you know, with images, right, just running over and over uh, of what happened. Uh, and then also televising the bombings, you know, when the, they went to invade Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, and how this was like streamed live basically on on, on the mainstream television because the internet wasn't as, you know, the way it is now, obviously. Um, and I, for me, uh, obviously it was a shocking event and I, I, I wonder what would drive people to do this. And I always look at the U.S. as a villain. I've never seen the U.S. government as a, you know, agent of good or benevolence or was skeptical, but I never really thought that, you know, they would go as far as organize and orchestrate something like this. Uh, the furthest I would go through my years as I went into college, as I, I became a young adult, uh, I've always thought that they allowed it to happen, not so much that they orchestrated things, um, that they allowed it to happen because it made sense conveniently, right? Like an enemy, like in the context of what, what was happening, um, you know, the Soviet Union had collapsed, you know, they needed a new enemy, right? And, and then the er era of terror came into effect that allowed them to go and project, you know, more aggressively around the world. And I was in college, I was seeing this live, right? How, and obviously part of the anti-war efforts and, um, you know, other things that were um, going on, uh, you know, like even like uh, organized labor, right? Like the, the, the May Day protest that was really massive. And then, you know, witnessing how these things, you know, just died out in, um, but again, going back to the 9-11, I don't think I changed my mind until recently, until really, again, same as you, COVID, because I've seen the train wreck you know, in front of me in, in, in terms of how efficient, how, uh, how efficient the powers that be are at driving a narrative, at constructing a, a, an alternative reality of the facts and discrediting anyone who uh, opposes, you know, uh, it brings any questions, you know, up for the official narrative. And so looking back now, like, you know, yeah, I, I completely shifted. Um, I also think I hesitated just at YouTube to commit to be like, they did it, you know, like they did it. No, I, I did go like they allowed it to happen because it's convenient for them. But um, I've definitely reanalyzed that. Uh, I think I've also looked into things like the building, you know, World Trade Seven, right? Um, building seven and you know and, and other things like that uh, with more open eyes and, and more questions um, and also I think I'm reanalyzing just everything I've learned before because I knew that the U.S. empire is willing to do whatever it takes but like the degree they're willing to go I think that line is like limitless now like for me, I thought it was like, yeah, we're willing to do some things. Like we've done some things like Vietnam, like other shit, right? Like full flags operations. But um, yeah, I mean, they're willing to sacrifice people in, in order to make the big move. And so that's my journey, I guess. Yeah, I was in middle school 
Um, and I had only been in the States a few years. So I, and so I was in Kansas city area. Um, so yeah, between being young and being like relatively new to the States, like, I don't know. I didn't really, I'd never been in New York. I didn't know what the world trade center buildings were stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember like, was getting I think I was like leaving my house and like going to the bus stop to get the bus to school and my mom I think she used to go like watch out like for the bus to see when it was coming and I remember her like running not running but like sort of hurrying across the garden as the bus was pulling up and being like a plane hit the World Trade Center and I, I didn't know what the World Trade Center was but by the time I got to school you know it was like all over the news and I think the second plane had hit by then yeah, because we were on central time. Um, anyway, so I was like too young to really make sense of anything. But the the one thing I will say, and like because of, you know, being being young and who I was surrounded by, it's not like I was ever really exposed in the immediate aftermath to stuff like the missing $2.3 million in the Pentagon and controlled demolition, all that stuff. But the one detail that I distinctly remember thinking like what the fuck like even as a middle schooler was the passports the fact that they you know you see this footage of like absolute fucking destruction and I kept saying like on the news in those immediate you know weeks that they had bound was it two I think of the hijackers or maybe just one yeah passports like intact just on the ground and even as a middle schooler, like that always bothered me. I always thought like that just seems impossible. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really until adulthood that I started to like actually question things. I mean, I was very like anti-war, like my parents are very anti-war. And I remember that being a big thing because Kansas City area, like we were kind of in a little bit of a liberal pocket, but not really. Like it was pretty... There were a lot of conservatives. And I remember like kind of de debating kids at school. I mean, like, no, we shouldn't be, you know, invading because of this. And I remember like one, one of my friend's moms was like all on board with the like boycotting French cheeses and stuff because freedom fries and all of that, just like insane media propaganda, which is, I mean, it, it, is nothing compared to the past couple of years, right? In terms of like just how much the media is in our immediate like vision with smartphones and everything, but it's still it was still so just ubiquitous, like all all everywhere, all the time. And I remember the anthrax letters too. Like I feel like people kind of forget about that, like in mainstream culture. That was like a huge like Halloween, it was like, oh my God, there might be anthrax if you go trick or treating in the in the Twix bars or whatever. And anyway, um, but yeah, it wasn't until I don't know, like I mean, in my twenties. I mean, I'm I'm lived in New York City for two years after I graduated college. I moved to New York. Um, and that was twenty eleven. So I, I actually moved there a few months before the 10 year anniversary and I was there for two years. And they, while I was living there, they were building the, what do they call it? What WTC 
I don't know. They have a new name for it, but like the, I think there's multiple now, but it was like the big tallest one that they were rebuilding. And it was, so I like got to see it in like in real time. Um, raised a babysit for a family after work that lived like literally like two blocks maybe from it. And they were like very rich family. So they have like these amazing windows with the view of it. Um, and I was always kind of, I don't know why, but I was always really pulled to the the actual site. Like I used to go, they had they have the memorial. I don't know if you guys have been, but with the two like what I don't know, it's like a fountain kind of. I don't know. Probably people have seen it online. Cool. Yeah, like a pool, but then there's water going down the sides and they have all the names. Yeah. And I used to I used to go there like not like a lot, but like I would just like walk there and like hang out and you know I was like writing poetry and stuff at the time and I don't know it was always like a very just like interesting like kind of creepy place but also like very somber and I don't know looking back I'm like it's weird that like that was one of the places I used to just like go (laughs) I don't know why anyway um yeah, and then and then at some point I don't know like what my first it was probably WTC seven as well. I feel like that the first time I saw like the footage of that I was like what the fuck and you know and then you learn that the the Patriot Act was written you know it was all ready to go and um, yeah so I mean I was kind of like a I don't know if I was like a truther like pre-COVID, but I definitely like at that point, I had also seen the Michael Moore film that Eduardo mentioned, which definitely was eye-opening at the time. I think that was in like maybe my early to mid twenties. Um, But yeah, just, and, and the other thing was like learning about the commission report and um, kind of finding out like how much resistance there was like among the families of the victims that was really powerful and kind of opening up my mind. Cause it's like, well, if they weren't happy with the official narrative, like the actual official official documentation, which is what this commission report was supposed to be. Um, that really bothered me and like motivated me to look more into things. Um, but it's crazy. I mean, it's like what 20, what are we in 2023? I mean, it's two decades and I feel like, there's still so much to learn. I mean, people could do whole PhD is just on like nine 11 stuff. Like there's just so many elements of it. Yeah. And Eduardo, what do you think? What can you say more about what your journey? And I don't even know where you are today. Cause I think that Kenny, myself and Jessica are, you know, it was an inside job of some sort. And I don't know where you are today and, and sort of, can you can you trace your journey some? Uh yeah, because like I guess we were just talking. I was just answering where was what's left. Where was I at with what's left at that time? Uh, so I I I was thirteen. I think I was thirteen. Yeah, and I was in middle school, and it, because this happened in two thousand one, and I graduated two thousand two, and uh, and I had a flight. We we were supposed to go because, as I said, I formerly was a Jehovah's and the Watchtower Tractum Society, which is the headquarters of Jehovah's Witnesses, is in Brooklyn. 
So we were we were scheduled to go on a flight uh, that very same year, and I think in November. So it was September and then November, but we couldn't go because of flight delays and they canceled flights. So we had to go another time. And by the time we went, we saw, I saw the aftermath, like not like every, the rumble, but I saw the, the, uh, what do you call it? Um, you could see from far away, like they had on, on the bridge, you could see, uh, um, like the gap in, in, in the buildings, like everyone, uh, would always point towards that the area, so I mean that that's I went to New York, but it was it was uh, for me I I guess it was the constant conversation that was happening at home is my mother kept talking about Armageddon, <laughs> and she kept saying that we need to go to Mexico. It's like like this country is going to be uh, I don't know if I can say the word uh, well this this country is going to go to war, and so she said. Uh, let's just leave. Let's just go back home. We're just because it's too dangerous to be here. San Francisco is a major city, as well as LA, as well as New York. If that can happen in New York, it can happen at the Golden Gate Bridge. It can happen anywhere. <laughs> so these things can happen. Uh, so that was a consideration that we were going to leave the country and then come back. Uh, and we. I mean, I ended up finishing the school year, but we were we were told not to go to school during that time. Yeah, everyone else was told to go back home, if I remember correctly. And no, I went to school all day. I remember like which really? some teachers like would have the footage on, and then some teachers were like, "No, we're going to try to have class." Yeah, well, we didn't oh, have any. No, I really? don't remember. Yeah, we were. Yeah, in San Francisco, we had because of school year. Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah, go ahead, Kate. Yeah, we were sent home. Like, yeah, there was like a because it happened early in the morning. Like, yeah, they just they deliberated, I guess, and yeah, because you guys would have been three hours earlier and two hours earlier than me. Like, we were already at. Like, I was going to school, but I think some people were already there, so it was like too late to. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, like obviously in New York area, people you know people were sent home, but. That's interesting. We were sent home to watch the images over and over and over. And oh, over. my goodness. Yes. And then I think it happened on a Tuesday. So then there, we still had the 12 o'clock alarm that went off in San Francisco, which freaked out when everyone out. <laughs> right. The idea was that the enemy could strike, you know, some major city now, like as if we were all under threat, you know. So that was what, what alarm is that like an earthquake or I don't know if it continues. Andy, you're not here. I'm the only one who's still here. I don't, I don't hear it anymore. At twelve o'clock on Tuesdays, there's supposed to be an alarm that goes off as uh, an air raid siren that goes off at noon. Yeah, oh. I guess we had tornado sirens once a month in Kansas, but I'm, I didn't know San Francisco had that. You get a text messages now. Oh right, yeah, no. <laughs> Except in Maui when they actually mm. needed us <laughs> alert. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Arda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyhow, so I think that was the first thing I, I remember if we're, we're tracing back. But my my uh my shaping of or the 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 way I thought about Nanny Living obviously is shaped by the way you are uh the product of your environment. And San Francisco is a very liberal city so the teachers i remember teachers were talking about 
being anti-war. And I remember around that time, I think Gavin Newsom was running up against as well, Mac Gonzalez, who lives here in San Francisco. And there was this election from the mayor, I think it was. And there was also, prior to that, there was uh, the whole uh, Bush and Nather and, and, uh, and uh, the other climate change or global warming. Al Gore, thank you for reminding me. And so I remember the year before, teachers were talking about voting green and voting for Ralph Nader and then t- discussing uh, how Bush stole the election and everything. That was, that was, and then now 9-11 and it's like, and all of this is what has led me to listen to Democracy Now! because Ralph Nader, I heard about Ralph Nader a lot in middle school and then I started hearing Ralph Nader always say, listen to democracy now, listen to alternative news, da 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 da, da. And then I started being really involved into listening and staying in tune around uh, leftist, leftist uh, politics and, and Michael Moore's documentary and listening to other uh, leftists that were criticizing George W. Bush in the same similar manner how they criticized Trump. It was very similar. I, I, that's how I remember it. Uh, 2003 happens and I join, I walk out with the anti-war teachers and and students. I left John O'Connell High School and we walked out and we filled uh, 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 downtown. But let's, I don't want to go far too much because I think I've mentioned bits and pieces of this on other times. What I think for me, what most um, striked me was how the the lie of the this uh, weapons of mass destruction was the reasons why we were all everyone in the in the country they, they, everyone was told we have to go to Iraq because of the weapons of mass destruction even though George W Bush had secretly let people from Afghanistan and from Saudi Arabia go home and everything and that's who were supposedly uh, in uh, these hijackers were from I mean that's what the narrative is told. But here we were going to Iraq. So it was conflicting. And then there was everything about an oil war. And I remember bikers carrying signs where uh, bikes against oil wars and stuff like this. So anyhow, this is this is this is the 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 beginnings of questioning the mainstream narrative, where I thought I was really informed. <laughs> and now I'm <laughs> feel stupefied by some of the things that I have watched and seen and read. I cannot say that I'm going to, and I hope maybe someone else will fill in. I'm not very, I'm not going to discuss the details of what can be discussed here. Like we've already, some of us sort of alluded to, which is the Pentagon or um, building seven or other sort of bits and pieces that have not been covered by the commission report or even by top leftists, who are very well known in the media. So I don't think I'm going to go into those weeds. I think people do a very good job on on other online sources that we can link. So uh, we'll have our links ready for people who really want to delve into the weeds of this. We'll mention and allude to them. I know, Andy, you wanted to bring up some things. You said you might even. But most important, I think, yeah, that what does this mean for us? Having uh, thought about this when I was a kid, having thought about it, when I started entering, uh, being more interested in politics and then being on what's left, I think my journey has has really evolutionized over this. I'm 
to where I stand with this is I may not be able to, let's say, this is not a subject that I may be able to, like the Ukrainian war, where you are delved into it, Andy. I'm, I think each of us carry issues that are very meaningful to us and issues that are important to us that we cover. Uh, so sometimes we may not be super in, 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 in the world of one particular issue. So if you ask me about Mexican politics and what's going on at the border and how to get people on a visa parole right now, I can give you those legal aid kind of question, answers to those questions. But as far as uh, what flight number went into the Pentagon and how many people were there, and, and I'm not sure if I'm going to give those details myself today. Uh, what I just want to say is, most importantly, is that uh, if anything has taught us from the COVID years, it was that I'm no longer as afraid as I once was. This, this is my before and after. I'm no longer afraid as I once was to be pushed and grouped into, oh, you're some loony, quacky conspiracist. Because I think that if we just look at history, that's what people do. And they push you and they isolate you and ostracize you in order for things not to be investigated. And, I have a, and, and I've gone into my Jehovah's Witness story, and people can also look at that link. I'll look at this whole edit, and then I'll remember to include this episode. I don't expect you to remember everything. And uh, back to this. And as I said, I've, I've lived a long time in the shadows as a Jehovah's Witness, and we were prohibited as a Jehovah's Witness to read to find out things, to delve into things. And that was the life I led. It was just to read certain things, which was Bible and Jehovah's Witness literature. And uh, and that's not what science is supposed to be about or even our curious mind should be like. You know, we should always figure stuff out, even if it sounds kind of out there. Uh, so that's where I'm at. I, I'm, I'm no longer... Uh, uh, afraid. Um, I mean, I get sometimes a little discouraged or feel uh, nervous or anxious to discuss something I might not be fully prepared to discuss with another person, but I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm, you're not going to see me uh, try to push away people who have long been uh, considered quacky. For example, just the government and everyone now is like, okay, with UFOs. But for the longest time, there have been people who have long said that there have been mysterious things. And now KPFA and Democracy Now! and all leftist mainstream media and even conservative media are covering these uh, UFO situations and what we now accept, right? Or even the J JF, uh, no, um, Kennedy files, for example. So another conspiracy. So I think that the thing is not to be so close, but to be open-minded. But that's my journey. That's my personal journey. I think we should move forward um, with things that we'd like to share. Yeah, and I, here's what I was thinking we'd go next. Um, since we will talk a little bit about 9-11, I'd be curious. This could be true for you, Eduardo, but I'd be definitely curious from Jessica and Kenny, just maybe top some of the top three items that you would be like. And Jessica, you kind of alluded to it, building seven, finding like maybe top three items of things that were like. These are the kinds of things that are like kind of convinced me that the U.S. took down their own buildings and just and killed their own population in order to, you know, per, to to do to pursue a war abroad and obviously pursue a war at home. 
and it can start um i think that um i mean obviously it's taken time for me to you know to come up with these uh things and so one of the things that to me uh, i think i mentioned in the first part that you know the us needed an excuse you know they didn't have a foreign um, a super foreign enemy at the time um you know soviet union collapsed in the mid 90s and um you know and then i remember looking back and becoming a young adult not understanding the goddamn connection between iraq and afghanistan being so confused the whole time you know and eventually with the years realizing there is no fucking link there is no fucking reason you know to be in these countries uh, and in fact you know this the supposed hijackers right like they're they're they have more connection to saudi arabia <laughs> you know and so why are we not invading saudi arabia if we're looking for you know someone to pay the price of, of this act right and and then uh, recently right like uh, in the gray zone they reported that two of the hijackers actually were recruits of the cia and they had links to uh, a saudi cia you know operation and so you know that that to me is one you know the the the, the, the just the the reasons the justification that it gave the us to just project itself abroad um you know in an imperial way um the other thing i mean building 7 right like the world trade center uh 7 uh i think that was one of the things that a lot of people point to right like the the physics in uh in the engineering <laughs> aspects of that collapse and and, and also the the, the 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 twin towers you know the way they collapse and like you know that always fasc- like fascinated me okay so this thing is burning but it's collapsing you know and, and we've all seen videos of collapse I, I at least i did like i was curious i've always seen videos of when they destroy things on purpose and they always collapse they try to collapse them nicely and straight down right so because they don't want to create damage around in you know these buildings um got direct hits <laughs> and it took a long time for them to fall like right like in and then when they fell they looked like explosions to me you know uh, especially at the top uh, you know and uh, but again that took time because to, to come to come to these conclusions or these questions because at the time, I was manip- being manipulated by the emotional appeal, right? Like we've experienced that, like the, you know, the, the constant trauma that forces you to sympathize and empathize with with people, you know. And 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 the other thing, I guess, I would say is that just the things that don't add up, you know. Like in uh, and, and and now looking back from post COVID. It, you know, in how the same narrative and so-called experts are handpicked to advance, you know, the same fucking narrative to, you know, to brainwash us. Um, that to me is alone is enough to like say, you know, th- these motherfuckers had something in it. You know, they had something planned. And, and to me, I guess, I guess I would, I would consider post-COVID or, or going through COVID the other, the third more, most powerful reason why I believe that you know they definitely did some shit you know back then in 11 because uh you know like i've had a front seat to this experience 
this this terrorist experience because what we experienced was terror delivered to us you know the people who rule this world you know in in the the true terror of the past of course people you know i i, I don't go as far as saying people didn't die people did fucking die you know and um that's the true terror you know that they're willing to sacrifice people in order to advance its political uh imperial you know that's in in and not only that they're willing to constantly traumatize us because the trauma didn't start and stop with that because we had years of like you said Jessica anthrax of like constant uh, um terrorist attacks quote unquote right like deliberate and now we're like as we approach covid there was no more terrorist attacks you know like suddenly like in the last whatever like there's no more terrorism uh that kind now we we're facing a biological terrorism and and just being a, i guess somewhat of a, a student of history like the, the us needs to create an enemy every 10 20 years you know because things do fade out of the memory and you know they have to keep pushing an agenda Jessica, what about you? Yeah, first of all, sorry, I wasn't plugging my ears at you. <laughs> Our smoke alarm went off. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, a little bit of commotion over here, and now Jasmine's all freaked out. But um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, like, there's certain things at the time or closer to the time that kind of, like, piqued my interest. And then, and I kind of named a couple of those. But then I think there's like once you're once you're open minded enough to start looking at this stuff, then there's sort of bigger things that start to make more sense. So I guess it kind of depends what you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, I agree with or like sympathize with much of what Kenny said. And um, I think also just seeing and, and this is like there's a million parallels to COVID, like there's a million parallels, but I was just thinking about emergency orders and the way that, like you said, like stuff fades from memory and we're already like, it's, it's still strange to me that like some of my students were not even born during 9-11. So I feel like I, I don't know, sometimes we'll be talking about cultural stuff and it just, you realize that like this stuff, it, it comes and goes in the mind of the sort of cultural zeitgeist. It doesn't come and go, you know, for the people in the Middle East who had to fucking, you know, deal with decades of war. Um, but yeah, like the fact that the the emergency order is still, they still renew it. Like the president, every president since September 11th, 20 or 2001 has renewed the emergency order and i mean i think when we were discussing like whether or not to do this episode like kenny you had said like yeah it seems like islamic terrorism isn't maybe like as uh <laughs> big in the media anymore and yet we still have the emergency powers i i don't know how i don't know how many yet. there's dozens of emergency orders that just since you know basically like mid 21st century i just get renewed and renewed and renewed and renewed um so yeah i mean and and 
even in the airport, like fly. I mean, you, you still can't take shampoo. It has stopped, you know, there's evidence that it has stopped zero terrorists, all of these like super invasive TSA measures. And, you know, you basically have to get a fucking like pap smear from the TSA or go into the radiation machine still, <laughs> you know, so it's like stuff like that. And I mean, and then you compare it to, you know, the masking and all of the health health measures from the past couple of years. and. It's very, it's very clear that like, I don't know, to me, I just, one of the, when people say like post COVID or whatever, but like one of my fears is that it's going to be very similar to 9-11 in the sense that people are just going to sort of forget or, or just be like, okay, like this, basically this is the new normal, right? That like, we just, we just at a certain point accepted that we're going to have to take our shoes off, can't pack liquids and we have to have a vagina massage every time we fly and that's just indefinitely the case and it sucks but we're just that's just how it is you know and that's there's so many other examples of that but i think 9-11 was just such a you know like intense one for those of us that were alive um i don't know i'm just rambling now but i forgot what your, your question was like what like what are the big things? I, yeah, I mean, I think it depends. Missing, m- missing two point three trillion dollars. All the people that were conveniently not where they were supposed to be that day. The insurance on the building, uh, the Patriot Act being pre-prepared, uh, all the anthrax shit. Um, you know what I was thinking about actually. I think I was listening to something on 9-11 this year. It's like they literally told the uh, the first responders that uh, they didn't need masks, you yeah. know, that the air was safe. Um, but we need masks for COVID. Yeah, I mean, all of that shit, I, I don't know. You can view it as like, oh, it's just like irresponsible afterthought. Like they didn't take care of the first responders. You know, there's people who still are... Well, I mean, there's people who have died of the effects of that. Um, But there's also people who are still just, like, incredibly, incredibly sick and are getting, you know, it's like veteran veteran care, right? It's like, go sacrifice your life for your country or whatever and then come back and tough shit (laughs) dealing with PTSD or black lung or whatever it is. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But it does, I mean, like, war war on terror, it does feel like it's kind of transformed into war on virus. I think we've talked about that before on the show, but so just so many parallels. Yeah, <clears throat> for me, some of the things that I remember hearing, when I first heard that of, of the 19 folks who were supposedly the people who were on the planes, when I found out, like, three or four or five of those people found, were found alive later somewhere else, like, that was like, wait, what? You know, that that put a giant hole into that. Building seven obviously was a big one for me. Um and then oh, yeah, to- building seven, but building seven. And the Pentagon, where where was the plane? Where's the where's the pictures of the plane? Plane there. I don't I don't know as much about the Pentagon one and it really seems and definitely the idea that a person and the person who was flying that plane supposedly couldn't fly a Cessna well and and the and the kind of thing that they had to do with that plane 
I, they, there's no way. There's no way they were going to be able to do that. Um, the 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 NORAD not being scrambled, but actually them being put onto a, like a, a, a they were on a, a simulation at the time for dealing with a hijacking. Like say, so they were they were kind of scrambled away from this um, due to test things they were doing for uh, a hijacking operation, and that was like. That was interesting. I mean, that that again, that was something to me. And the fact that no, like no building had ever collapsed like that from a fire. Like it always like partially collapses, and then the lower, the lower decks where the fire aren't going to occur still are supported, and it might collapse into that. And there's certainly no way that's going to you're going to you're going to have a free fall collapse of, of, of something. You might have a partial collapse, and then collapse into decks that are not are not degraded. And so that 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 means they should slow down and decelerate. It shouldn't accelerate like freefall. And so those were big deals for me. And then when I when I heard about the fact that they actually had designed these towers to deal with planes potentially going to them, not small planes, but aircraft like giant aircraft, and they were designed to withstand that. Um, and that the the fire retardant it wasn't just the the asbestos on the outside of them that which they said got sheared off of the of the steel inside um but the actual steel was treated in such a way that it was not going to melt due to um uh fire the, the kind of heats you would have for a normal fire so and and so and really the idea that when i saw those little minuscule fires that they had on building seven and then that fucker goes down like in this exact same way then i was just i just became convinced you know i said there's the U.S. has done this. They, they, they did it internally. And I think when I think about the Nord Stream pipeline um, and the way they basically set that thing up and then detonated it when they were ready to detonate it, that's what I think happened. Um, and they set it up and they detonated when they want to detonate it. And that's why they like this whole thing about first responders. They murdered those people. They knew they were in there. They knew firemen were in there. They knew cops were in there. They're going to fuck, and, and they were going to use them as sacrificial lambs for their war. And that was the other thing I was going to say. And then they had a document for the New American Century which said, we are going to need a tragedy on the level of a Pearl Harbor to push the people in the United States to do the kinds of things we're going to need to do to keep the U.S. empire going and to make sure that, you know, we are number one. And that it said it in the document prior to this thing. And so, like, it's, it's, um... I, I just find it, well, th those were the things, but I guess I'm segueing a little bit to, I've, I've said before that the biggest enemy of the U.S. worker is the U.S. ruling class. And that's, that is the implication of this event, is that because everyone who believes and understands that the United States was behind this operation and the U.S. government did this, and it's the same people who are now being resurrected, uh, what's his name, fucking Cheney and Bush and Rumsfeld in some ways, all of these people are being resurrected as anti-Trump, right? And so they're, they're, these are all people who, who plotted to murder people in this country in order to mur murder more people abroad and then and get people in this country to sign on for that murder, sacrifice their own lives doing it potentially, and then sign up for all sorts of terror internally. And like the, they literally terrorized the entire United States in order to do this. And I don't know how a person then doesn't, 
I don't know how a person who sees this is true worries about China doing this or Russia doing that or Osama bin Laden doing that or Al Qaeda doing this or Taliban doing that when the implications of this event, you know, and it should be true for Marxists or not Marxists, are literally that your biggest enemy is at home. Like it's they're there and they're willing and and they're trying to get us to be afraid of some other terror event. But the thing we have to be afraid of is that they did it then. They're do, they've done it again with COVID. They've probably done it in other ways. I don't even know. And they will do it again. Like these terrorists will do things again. And I'm not talking about Taliban. I'm talking about the U.S. ruling class. If When they're pushed and when they see an opportunity where they're going to kill a bunch of people, whether they be Americans or not, in order to produce an outcome, they won't hesitate for a moment. And that, that to me is like, I think if people really, if you really grasp that, there is no way you can, you can vote for anything. You will have to understand that this whole system has to be taken down. These people have to be removed. And there's no replacing of those people. That this, it, it, that this system produces that sort of leadership, a leadership that must attack its own people. And I feel like that's kind of prof- to me, that's profound. Yeah, I was just thinking about like trauma-based mind control as you were talking about that. And just, even just like the way that we all remember it, not even being in any sort of close proximity, right? Like we were all in different, different time zones, but man, like it was such an exercise in mind control. And the media was so central to that. And then, I mean, yeah, again, just so many, so many parallels, like the, every day was like a code red, code orange, right? Like just like fear monger, fear monger, fear monger. And they convinced people to do and support things that they would never have done under normal circumstances. Right. Um, and I also like the, uh, I'm just sort of remembering the Muslim hate and like, how, like how crazy it was. And and a lot of people were fine with it, just like totally fine with it, like normal, like nice people who were like, well, yeah, they those Muslims, they shouldn't have, you know, flown planes into our buildings as if like, you know, schoolgirls wearing hijabs were like somehow responsible for this, right? Like, let alone the people actually in the Middle East. But anyway. I just wanted to add to this, you know, notion of who who our enemy is, right? Like we've talked about it before and you know, yes, nine eleven, yes, COVID, right? Like especially for a lot of our listeners, I think, you know, the COVID thing is a little more clear. Um but, you know, I also want to bring attention back to uh like uh East Palestine in Ohio, right? And in Lahaina, you know, what's happened there. And you know, again, COVID, like vaccines, like we don't fucking know what the fuck is gonna happen yet. You know, with with all the people have gotten all these boosters, you know, the, 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 so but they're willing to do this fucking crazy thing to the people they're supposedly doing shit for, right? Like, like the people who rule us, but they're not, you know. And, and so, like, like you also, like you said, Lipson, uh, we don't even know the other ways that they're fucking, you know willing to sacrifice you know the people they're ruling over uh on a daily basis it, and that is a product of the class war that we, we are on that we're not aware of 
you know, and so that that's what we need to be reminded that, you know, that's what we've talked shit on the census, on voting, you know, on on fucking these like uh, the environmental protection agency and all these institutions that on the surface seem good, but there is nothing. They're not there to protect anything. They're not there for our safety. They're not there for you know. Uh, the benefit of the people that, again that are being ruled, they're, they're there to control and, and, and portray, you know that that. But but in fact, it, they're instruments of the war, the medical system, you know, like it's everywhere, you know. And this is what we talk about, you know, revolution, not going to vote, not reform, is not incrementalism, you know, not being part of. Going into the system, like Ocasio Cortez, you know, savior or Bernie Sanders bullshit, or or even fucking RFK now, you know, or or um, what is it, uh, Cornell West, you know, or or fucking the Green Party, uh, or you know, like we have to realize that this is an ongoing war, and that you know, when you add up all these events, when you look at things with a new set of eyes, uh, it, it, you know, you do have to listen to people who sound fucking crazy. You may not agree with every little detail, you know, but like we've, you've said in the past, lips and like, we are, you know, we have something in common with them. They have, the, because they start from a place of skepticism, right? Because when you take shit at face value, you've already been had, you know, and, and, there is no converting, you know, like, that's why I, like, I'm not even, I have urges to still have, like, a, a conversation about COVID with people, you know, like, look, this is the shit that I was saying, and look at it now, you know, but, like, there is no point, because, you know, like, there is no point if, if you're not willing to see that we've been had, that we are part of the collateral damage of, of you know, of, of the the forces that rule us, uh, you know, we're just in the way, like, um, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, it, it's hard. So that's why it is easier, I think, or more promising to talk to someone who has conspirational ideas. And, and we should make sure that that's not a dirty word because they, they in, in the public domain on the left, that is an automatic disqualification, you know, of your mental sanity. You know, if, if you are at somehow, and like we've all been afraid in some in some ways, right? Of at some point, uh, of, of being pulled into into that group of people who are conspirational theorists, especially now. And that again, too, is is, is part of the project. <laughs> They're making sure, you know, that 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 to again make sure that the people who question things are in the fringes. And, and, and you know we need to go to the fringes, you know, to to uncover and rediscover the shit that we've been told, because you know that again, that to me, COVID has taught me that, and to re-examine 9/11, you know, and, and other things that we've been told. Eduardo, anything? I mean, everyone has mentioned just great points, um, and a few of them I was going to mention myself. Um. Um, I think I speak to the left mostly because I consider myself to be on the left if there exists one. So this is for the audience who is on the left. I think 
when we think about, when we reflect on 9-11, we should reflect on this, the propaganda that was used to instill fear and to fearmonger, right? It was the whole war on terror. And, and this was also used like with um, the war on terror, which is the same thing as like with uh, the war on drugs, right? And it keeps being the next thing in our face to distract us from what's really happening. And it was, if anyone, like, I, 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 how can anyone not see this as well with like COVID? Any sort of crisis is being uh, hijacked, so to speak, no pun intended, <laughs> but to sort of overtake and, uh, and to an opportunity, an opportunity arises. It's like, like we're seeing in Hawaii right now, uh, where there is a, uh, there, just we'll just have to wait, but there's going to be a lot of land that's going to be taken away from working class people right there. And what we're seeing is, and what we've seen during COVID, which is people abusing emergency powers. And it, it saddens me that even like people like Barbara Lee, who's, who was the lone vote in the House in Congress, where she opposed against the emergency powers to be authorized for military intervention, which has now been used, like, I think in 19 countries. So just like, I don't remember how many countries that has been used to operate and to bomb people and to, and to just go for no reason to go ask Congress, right? Not like I, I'm voting these days and believe in the system. Like I once was thinking that we should campaign and vote, but it's like, this is supposed to be the balance of power. And you're, you're now granted post 9-11, well, during that 9-11 was the emergency powers. And then the Patriot Act, the Patriot Act, which authorized the attorney general at that time was like waived all kinds of personnel that was going to be the Patriot Act. I forget what part of the Patriot Act, but there's a section where now the attorney general, general can waive uh, how many, what's the cap number of people that could be hired at the border. And that's when the border started getting militarized because lone wolves might just bum us or 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 the, the domestic terrorism which people are running families are running and and trying to get over and to be reunited with their families or seeking economic opportunities because of the system that we live in and all kinds of crises are happening it's not lone wolves at the border i've been at the border <laughs> uh and what has this done the consequence we've discussed Alison McDowell's work, the fourth industrial revolution, and you know the geofencing that has really been uh, exasperated, been, been like further developed because of the Patriot Act uh, by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. They ordered to develop the technology standard to verify the identity of persons applying for the U.S. for U.S. American visas, and what did this do? This created. Uh, a cross-agency, the cross-platform electronic system used for conducting background checks, confirming identities, and ensuring that people have not received visas under different names. That was what was uh, was being told. But the electronic system was now being standardized so that you can now get IDs. And now that has led to so many other things, opened up all kinds of things. Now that we have facial recognition, first it was your fingertips, now it's facial recognition. And the development of this technology is thanks to all of that with the 9-11. So I know 
we've mentioned a few conspiracies, but to me, that this is the most important, to me, this is the most important developments that I have come to understand. And, and no one is talking about that. Everyone is focusing on, you know, how we need to, the 9-11 victims, which, my goodness, just, yes, the families that have suffered, and of course, the people who have lost loved ones because of this uh, shouldn't be overlooked, but I and I think it's the angle that we look at this as we're doing in this episode that we should be considering. And I'm also just as dismayed by the many people who have been affected and lost because of the militarization of that border. Uh, the other thing I think for me is the censorship. You weren't allowed to talk about any other, like you, you were considered unpatriotic if you were discussing something against uh, the war. And I think the left has forgotten that, right? When you would discuss this in, a, in, in, on, in mainstream media, you were considered, oh, wait, hold on. We're not going to be discussing things against what our country needs to do, which is to do whatever the fuck we're doing over there in the Middle East which has ruined lives and has created this ripple of well effect onto from it went from Iraq and and then Afghanistan and then it went to Syria with Obama. I think people forget that. I think there's even videos of uh, during that time where every news anchor is taken and they had to repeat similar things. If I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong, but pe people can correct me in the comment sections below. What does that look like when the pandemic happened? We were not allowed to discuss what was like, even if 90% of the population was surviving, everything had to be focused on, or 99 or 98% of the population, uh, depending on what, when you were looking at it during the uh, CDC, of the population was surviving. You were only supposed to look at the 2% of the people who are dying, and that's what we were supposed to zoom in on. But again, zoom in on it's like all this words being overtaken technology. So I uh, that to me is the striking thing. It was it, it's now and the censorship, the emergency powers, and also the development of the NSA, which Edwin Snowden brilliantly exposed for us. This was the result of massive surveillance, which today we're dealing with, all of this aftermath. So, and I imagine so much, well, it, and I'm, it's like, it's happening. So much more technology is happening as well that we're going, just like facial recognition is now, when I was, there's a, there's a, uh, when I was at the, and coming back from Colombia, there was a, there's a queue to go, to your regular like uh, aduanas, which is immigration, you go through immigration, and then there's an alternative queue. But you can do this alternative only if you would like you would like to expedite or or go fast in express queue. But only if you go through this facial recognition, you have to be willing and consent to allow yourself to be facially recognized and your passport and everything, so that you don't have to actually scan. Now you just scan your face and stuff like this. Uh, I didn't do that. I decided to be <laughs> waiting <laughs> for a long time until I finally get through the, the security check. 
But that's what's enticing you. Just like, oh, you want to go faster? Here, go through this. Now we have a new system that you can go through. And I, I think to myself, like, if this is so fascinatingly curious to us, like, wow, facial recognition can actually recognize your face. Well, how much technology we don't or not preview to right now, given to co- because of COVID, that's going to be upon us in, what, 10 years? Like, we don't know what has been developed in all these years. I mean, we're getting glimpse of it because we're seeing stuff that's been, AI is being just like loved and embraced by everyone, right? So um, I think those things are for me the biggest, the top three. It's like the censorship. You weren't allowed to speak unpatriotically. It was the emergency powers that you saw clearly abused. Even Governor Newsom did it here in the state and the country was going through it where you couldn't, well, we it was like, oh, during this time because of a pandemic or because of war or because there's a there's a reason why we have to uh, we have to comply. And then three, it's like the massive surveillance at the border and on us. It and and this is this technology, the more people and for the freedom movement who are listening and who like our show, and we've had lots of comments like these in the in the RFK Jr. episode. If you, again, I repeat, if you think that closing our borders is a solution because you just, you think, oh no, we can't have people coming in because of the dangers of that, the technology that's being developed at that, at the border, will also infiltrate onto our lives here domestically. That's just the way it is. And so I think we should be uh, consistent with our values and our principles, and just as we support one another in during COVID. Now it's time to support one another during this open borders conversation, which we'll have a discussion further about that in our next episode, hopefully. But just 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 wanted to point out how much money went into the technology, how much surveillance has been happening, and how this is very similar to COVID, and people don't want to discuss about that. But you're labeled a conspiracist. Well, people were labeled a conspiracist when you were discussing mass weapons of mass destruction before. Now look, everything's revealed. So, and and the anti-war sentiment as well. If you think about it, most people are not allowed to talk about like, oh, if we shouldn't be in Ukraine. Oh well, uh, what about Russia invading people? Well, yeah, I get that, but what about the anti-war movement? You were once we were all anti on the left. We were supposed to be the 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 the, the voice of reason to not to be engaging in wars. And here we are. Everyone on the left seems to be with the Ukrainian flags. Every time I bike hills and hills, I see how I count how many Ukrainian flags. It's like, my goodness, you know, what happened to San Francisco's anti-war city? But those those are my thoughts. Yeah, it is crazy, like the comparison with the I mean, not that the anti-war movement was like as robust in the early 2000s as it was, you know, 30, 40, 50 years before that, but there were protests and there were, there was organized resistance and it was not, you were not like dismissed just like automatically for saying, no, I don't support us being in the Middle East. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on what. But you know, it depends what region. <laughs> because if you would yeah, say that in Idaho. Can, like I was saying like, yeah, can, like Kansas, it was, it, uh, it was more popular to support it than not to but it w- it right. wasn't on even close to the level that the ukraine shit is now right um 
yeah. little bit of a tangent, um, but just because earlier you were talking about the the families and stuff briefly, Eduardo. Um, this is something I learned only this week. Do you guys know about um oh what's her name? Uh Beverly Eckert. Have you heard of this woman? So she was a 9-11 widow. Um, and she basically refused to take the payout for like victim compensation and was like a she was kind of a leader in among like 9-11 victim families and she actually met with obama uh see if i have it up i can't remember what year it was um let's see ah I wish my brain remembered things like years. Um, I want to say like maybe 2009, 2010. Anyway, um, she met with Obama and then died. Uh, and some people say she was murdered like within less than a week after she met with Obama, like on behalf of 9-11 victims uh, or families. And um, she was killed in that like flight that, crashed into like a house or something it was a very bizarre situation and a lot of a lot of people think that she was just murdered because she wasn't she just wasn't willing to take the government bullshit um yeah and i was just thinking like parallels to like brandy vaughn and and people in the like anti-big pharma and anti-vaccination and all that kind of stuff like it's not a joke like well fucking take people out like i'm not saying 100 percent. i know this woman was murdered but you know it's they, they're not like isolated examples so it's just like another kind of dimension of like well they'll leave you alone until you become a threat and then you know there's there's not really anything that they're not willing to do can i comment on that real quick just the is it always it's always curious to me that you know, like I've talked to some people that consider themselves very like knowledgeable, intellectual about history and politics in, you know, that lean to, to the left. And very often they're very easy to make it, they're very quick to make a distinction between the shit that is done in those banana republics, those backwards, you know, corruption, the backward mobsters, the backward dictators, you know, and they're unable to to see this shit that you're talking about, Jessica. The, the the very dirty, rotten, the worst of humanity. You know, the the the, the sinister, the, the 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 evil, the the, the disgusting. You know that that this nation, the the people who govern this world, that the best, the, the the top dogs are have to and are willing to do. And when we talk about boundless, you know, uh, you know horror <laughs> you know that's something that that's the people need to understand that in order to rule you know under this system specifically like everything is underwritten by violence like this that this is why like the fucking constitution the fucking laws like when we talk about I, I don't give a shit they don't give a shit you need to understand that that's a facade when we talk about legality or illegality they're willing to do whatever the fuck it takes and a lot of times this legality or constitutional bullshit is just to paint a fucking facade, you know, that, that, that there is some sort of order. 
you know, that there's some sort of rules, you know, but, but again, they will, you know, I was talking to my in-law the other day and like, he understands that the world is run by mobsters, you know, and he's not of the, you know, like the most politically, intellectually educated college, blah, 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 blah. But he understands fundamentally that the world is run by mobsters. And I remember telling him that the difference that I see is that a lot of times in this country, they just, they just make it seem legal. You know, they just make it that same shit and then times a thousand that is done in banana republics that actually they're orchestrating most of the time. It, it, it's just painted a facade of legality and civilization. But, but all this sinister shit is happening every fucking day. You know, people forget the, the FISA courts, right? Like, that, you know, the, 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 you know, the foreign intelligence servers, whatever, you know, and where they were condoning people to in the, in the terminal, you know, they were pulling people around the world, putting them, taking them to Guantanamo black sites, you know, and painting some, some sort of idea of, of legality. They were justifying, you know, kidnapping, torturing, and, you know, in the name of whatever the fuck they wanted. And so, Again, just just wanted to highlight that, you know, whether you're leftist or right, you know, like understand that the rules, the constitution, they don't give a fuck. They don't care about this shit. Yeah, I mean, leftist favorite president, Barack Obama, right? We tortured some folks. Yeah. He bombed, you know, U.S. citizens abroad. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that another number that came to mind for me, um, because I. Washington Post basically said that the post 9-11 um, wars were estimated to kill about 4.5 million people. Um, and that number, I was thinking, that's a, that's, that's a huge number. It's, it's like, and I thought about that 6 million number that's often thrown out um, in relationship to what happened in World War II and Germany and its final solution. Um, I believe that 6 million Jews were killed. Um, but that but that that occurred under the pressure of an empire uh, a country which planned on being an empire losing a war the wannasee conference which established the final solution wasn't until the last few years of the war when germany knew or, or felt like they were losing and this is what they were they were going to turn their concentration camps into death camps basically because they couldn't afford to run them any longer um and that was something that really escalated the murders and so what you have now is the U.S. and these U.S. rulers are not only responsible for killing the 2,000 people out of the towers, and, but they, are, they, they set in motion something which ultimately led to 4.5 million people being killed. And they're responsible. Like, this, isn't, this isn't something like, oh, it was an accident or we didn't know. This was the plan. I don't think they knew they were, they were going to kill 5 million or 3 million or 2 million or 10 million. But they knew they were going to be killing millions, and this and this is a ruling class, not even under the pressure of actually facing extinction as a government because you're losing you're losing a war. Um, and think about how far they'll go. This is why false flag nuclear bombs. I'm com completely convinced that's going to happen. Um, like dirty, not just dirty nuclear, but like literally detonated nuclear weapons in cities. Because the U.S. sees it as something that will allow them to pursue an aim, like I have no doubt that this these people, under more desperate circumstances, 
than what they say that they, they, they thought they were facing back in 2001 when they did this. Because they, they must have thought their situation was at least a little bit on the back foot in order to try to press forward here with this act. Um, I have no doubt that when pressed more, and they are now under even more pressure now, um, and and in, in much more dire straits, I have no doubt these folks will detonate. They'll go from taking down buildings to taking out cities. I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. And it, and they'll put it on somebody else, but it'll be our government doing it. Like, remember also the one thing you mentioned some time back, Ellipson, that that quote about Scalia, Justice Scalia, who also talked about concentration camps, that you got to be kidding yourself if they're not happening again. That was in the conversation during COVID. And it will be in a conversation, you know, with all these other crises that are going to be shoved down our face. So, you know, so to me, like 9-11, COVID, other shit, like, you know, you, you had to kind of pick the pieces together, piece the, put the pieces together yeah. to see the patterns because it, it's hard to know, right, what's coming. Uh, but we know it's going to continue to come in waves because this is constant. It's a war. And all I know is that whatever they're fucking telling me, I'm not going to believe it at face value. Every time we discuss this, it's like, I think we talked about this. What what do we know? What's true? <laughs> it's like, it becomes very murky and very scary. Because, uh, you know, we see this in Wikipedia. No, Wikipedia. Um, what's, uh, what's Julian Assange's site? Uh, Wikileaks, right? You know, how much has been uncovered? through these leaks uh, that I, I'm just bringing it back home for like trying to not bring it back. I'm trying to, <laughs> when I hear someone says something like that, like what you're talking about, I get, I, I think, how do you justify that? Andy, how, why, how can you say something like that, Kenny? Well, I mean, what has helped me is to understand how much cover up there is by the U S American government. Uh, this, I mean, that's what this whole 9-11 is about, you know, war on the weapons of mass destruction. And, and then also everything that's been thanks to people who have uncovered um, on sites. So I think for me, it's, it's like uh, it's so scary to think that, you know, there is a uniform, massive narrative line that's going to be given through propaganda through the, through the media that you have to sort of be always skeptical about because it's it's out there that's going to be influencing the public as we have seen many times done before and i I do think this is not new you know this whole narrative control is not new like you know they they've done it for the longest time they will continue to do it you know i i think that what i'm scared of is the, the the systems of control limitation geofencing, all this shit that are going to be made to make your life impossible and those who want to change this world, you know, because the, the lies are going to continue to come, you know, we're still going to have to sift through that. But it, it, it's what, what are we able to do, you know, with these systems of control that they impose every time a new crisis comes on, online, you know, it, and that's the scary part, like, of all this technology, because it's so invasive, so, so controlling to the minute level, you know, and, and, and also the sense of reality is even more manipulating on a more individual 
or like group level, you know, because like, you know, everyone, the fucking, you know, I, I think I heard Denzel Washington, you know, like said a quote along the lines of like, if you read, if you don't read the news, you're uninformed. If you read the news, you're misinformed. So what do you do? <laughs> you know, and so like he, he has some bullshit answer, but, but I think it's a valid question, you know, and like, to me, it's like, what I would like to transmit is like, everything they're fucking telling us, take it as a lie and then go from there. But then also, what do we do? You know, because it's not enough to just talk about it and like, oh, they're lying again. It's like, it has to become like actual resistance, right? It, you know, something alternative, tangible that, that really pushes back, you know, because we've, we've, with Jake, we've talked about control opposition because that's also true. I listen to Jimmy Dore, you know, I don't think he goes far hard enough. You know, like he, he, he you know, talks about, he has a lot of uh, listeners and viewers you know, and I, in a lot of things, I'm like, okay, I get that, but like, you're not going far enough. Like, you, I don't think you fully understand this shit yet. You know, and, and so like, but we still need to be in conversation with people like that. You know, uh, because we have, you know, that, that this, it is part of it. But then, what then? <laughs> what then? Um, I'm not sure there's much more to go here, unless Jessica or Eduardo, you have some final thoughts. I got one more, which might be like a good note to end on. Do you have anything, Eduardo? No, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to read this little excerpt. So um, this is from the woman that I re that I referenced. Um, Beverly? Beverly Eckert. Um, mm -hmm. If you Google her, there's like a lot of interesting stuff. Um, so this is from, I think, an interview uh friday december 19th 2003 my silence cannot be bought um so i don't i don't this is i haven't verified this whoever's writing this but according to this post eckert had gathered evidence that former president bush knew about the attacks in advance and had even helped to plan them um because of her relentless activism she was allowed to meet with president obama at that time, she told him that she would not rest until justice was served, telling Obama she wanted George Bush investigated for conspiracy and complicity in the attacks of the Twin Towers. Some two weeks later, Eckert was, this person says, murdered. But at least she died. Um, so this is the from her, from an interview, I think. Um, so she says, I've chosen to go to court rather than accept a payoff from the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund. Instead, I want to know what went so wrong with our intelligence and security systems that a band of religious fanatics was able to turn four U.S. passenger jets into an enemy force, attack our cities, and kill 3,000 civilians with terrifying ease. I want to know why two 110-story skyscrapers collapsed in less than two hours and why escape and rescue options were so limited. I'm suing because unlike other investigative avenues, including congressional hearings and the 9-11 Commission, my lawsuit requires all testimony be given under oath and fully uses powers to compel evidence. The Victims Fund was not created in a spirit of compassion. Rather, it was tacit acknowledgement by Congress that it tampered with our civil justice system in an unprecedented way. Lawmakers capped the liability of the airlines at the behest of lobbyists who descended on Washington while the September 11th fire still smoldered. And this liability cap protects not just the airlines, but also the World Trade Center builders, safety engineers, and other defendants. The caps on liability have consequences for those who want to sue 
to shed light on the mistakes of 9-11. It means the playing field is tilted steeply in favor of those who need to be held accountable. With the financial consequences other than insurance proceeds removed, there's no incentive for those whose negligence contributed to the death toll to acknowledge their failings or implement reforms. They can afford to deny culpability and play a waiting game. By suing, I forfeited the $1.8 million average award for a death claim I could have collected under the fund. Nor do I have any illusions about winning money in my suit. What I do know is I owe it to my husband, whose death I believe could have been avoided, to see that all of those responsible are held accountable. If we don't get answers to what went wrong, there will be a next time. And, and instead of 3,000 dead, it will be 10,000. What will Congress do then? Mm. End of interview. Mm. Interesting. Mm. A lot of it sounds very familiar. Good for her. Well, good for her until she was killed. <laughs> I, mean, I would just say taking a stand, though. I mean, that that's brave, you know, so. Yeah, I appreciate you having shared that with us, Jess. Yeah, oh, I just learned about her this week. So it's like, I mean, every year I feel like I learn more Wait, stuff. About something new. Deeper and deeper into the hellhole. <laughs> this, what sounds to me too is like there's always people doing stuff on their own, you know, and like, I guess it's about finding those people and connecting, right? Like there's people, that's what I learned through COVID, right? Like people were doing their own thing and, you know, they feel similarly like us, right? Like in their own bubble, but we're supposed to stay apart. Yep. Divide and conquer. All right. Well, let's conclude. And uh, and I think we could go on and on. Uh, but Happy fall, everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. But let's do this. <clears throat> All right. Well, and that does it for this week's episode. Uh, What's Left is a weekly political dis- podcast slash channel challenge in the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find past episodes to the podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms. You can find us on the Spotify, iTunes podcast, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. You can find our blog and any of those links in the episode notes wherever you found this episode. If you'd like to give us feedback, plus something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. Um, uh, yeah, that's like, I forget that British person who is not coming on. Uh, thank you, Andy, for doing your d- d- diligence. Ren, is it? Yeah? He's Welsh. Yeah, yeah Welsh. Yes. I don't think uh, <laughs> For people watching this, they know the inside of this outro. Uh, all right. I'm Eduardo Marco, co-host, teacher, uh, co-host Jessica, Kenny Cepeda, and Andy Lipson. Thank you all very much. You can find us on social media handles as at Don Eduardo Marca and uh, Jessica's Twitter handle as at jhomie89. Thank you for listening, everyone. Ciao. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>